everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my books, my preaching, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com. Well, hello there. Episode 60 of This Good Word, the word this week is watch post. And it comes from this bizarre prophet called Habakkuk, found in the Hebrew scriptures. In Habakkuk 2, the prophet writes, I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. And so you get this picture of this person, maybe early in the morning, climbs out of bed and climbs up. Maybe it's circular stairs, but to a place where he can see more or she can see more than they could see when they were down below. It's the picture of climbing up to an expansive place where you can see a vista that uh, enables you to understand what you don't understand when you're on the ground floor. And I think we are at a stage in our world right now where we need people to climb to the watch post and see more expansively than you're seeing right now. I think we need humble people that are willing to say, uh, I don't see all that I can see and I don't know all that I need to know. So I need to climb up to a place where I can see new vistas and where I can understand more than I currently understand. I think all of us are wary right now of bombastic declarations that seem more based in self-preservation than they are in helping to heal the world. And so for my part in history... (laughs) What I want to be about is encouraging myself, first of all, encouraging my kids and encouraging all of you to climb to a place where you can see more and then where you can take good, loving, justice-oriented action when it's time. So this podcast is actually mostly going to be me reposting a sermon that I preached at my church several weeks ago on this verse. Because the wisest people I've ever met have at many points in their lives humbly realized they can't currently see all that they need to see. So they climb to a vantage point where they can see more and then they wait. There's a, there's a part at which uh, everyone needs to find what their watch post is. What is it that stirs up passion in you so that uh, what is broken in the world it can be healed? I believe that's all of us. That's our responsibility to join God in what God is doing in making all things new by standing at our watch post. I will stand at my watch post, the prophet says, and station myself on the ramport. So I want to ask, what's your watch post? Uh, What do you need to see more of? You have agency, meaning your life isn't a pawn for politicians or power-hungry people or your supervisor. Uh, Your life, you have 
agency. You have the ability to enact change in your life and in the world. And I think that's a message we need to hear right now. I think many of us feel uh, a sense of hopelessness. And I'm here to tell you the world is not in bad hands. Uh, And that's partly because we are, I'm seeing more and more people climb the watchtower and keep stationed at their watch post and then uh, do decisive action when it's time. So my encouragement to you is to listen to this talk. At the end of it, I'll pose a couple more questions and then you will go about your day. So wherever you are, and I just I just checked um, online, there are people in exactly 100 countries that are listening to this good word. And that is so exciting to me. Uh, people from all over. People from South America, North America, Europe, Asia, Australia. Um, it's, it's so fun. And I hear from some of you, and um, I just want to say we, are in the, we really are in this together, this groundswell of hope and humanity and mystery and God and me and you, and we're in it together. So enjoy this talk. Uh, you're going to hear, first of all, the scripture reading from my friend Annie Parsons, who did a great job. And then you're going to hear my about 20-minute talk, and then I will come back and end with a few questions. So enjoy, my friends. This morning's scripture reading is taken from the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The problem, as God gave Habakkuk to see it, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day? Anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place. Law and order fall to pieces. Justice is a joke. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. What's God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says, how he'll answer my complaint. And then God answered, write this, write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. Look at that man, bloated by self-importance, full of himself, but soul empty. But the person in right standing before God, through loyal and steady believing, is fully alive really alive. And Psalm chapter 37, one through nine. Don't bother your head with braggarts or wish you could succeed like the wicked. In no time, they'll shrivel like grass clippings and wilt like cut flowers in the sun. Get insurance with God and do a good deed. Settle down and stick to your last. Keep company with God, get in on the best. Open up before God, keep nothing back. 
He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. Quiet down before God. Be prayerful before him. Don't bother with those who climb the ladder, who elbow their way to the top. Bridle your anger. Trash your wrath. Cool your pipes. It only makes things worse. Before long, the crooks will be bankrupt. God investors will soon own the store. The word of the Lord. Everybody, uh, raise your hand if you have a white shirt on today and then you just spilled coffee on it before you came up to speak. Hi. <laughs> so there's that. And I would like, but that doesn't help anyway. And this coat's a little tight anyway. So you're just going to have to deal with a pastor who has coffee on his white shirt. Can we all deal with that? Oh, good, good. It's a metaphor for so many things. So many things. Oh, mm. I think I spilled it on my neck, too. Uh, okay, well, we follow the Revised Common Lectionary around here, if you're new, and what that is is, like, some churches, and they're all different, but they choose, hey, we're going to do a series, a three-week series on whatever it is, politics or money or power or relationships, um, and then they sort of schedule it all out for the year, and um, that's what they do. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, which is a, it's a three-year-long cycle that over the course of three years, it weaves its way through all the different passages of the Scripture and all the main themes and all the stories. So we chose and we choose to do the lectionary because we want the Scriptures to choose us rather than vice versa, that I think it's good that we don't have control over what scriptures we choose to preach on. And so uh, I, I think that keeps us humble, I think, uh, hopefully, and I think it keeps us out of control. So last week, we ended our time together asking God to help us to see what we don't see. Remember that? We kind of looked at that funky parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and we ended up saying, uh, that, that, that we wanted to be people who pray this bold, adventurous, risky prayer. God, help me to see what I don't see. Well, this week, we begin with Habakkuk, the prophet, seeing something that was a problem in his time. And the word for problem is a Hebrew word, masah, and it means burden or something you carry. So it can be called a problem, but it's the, the, the better word for that, for what Habakkuk saw was a burden, and once he saw it, he couldn't unsee it. He carried that burden with him all around. So have you ever noticed something like that, something that is not right in the world? Maybe you've taken a trip overseas. Uh, I'm looking at some people who went to Israel, Palestine, and maybe you saw something there that now you carry. When you see injustice and really see it, like Habakkuk saw it in his time, you carry it like a burden. And what's interesting in verse one, who caused Habakkuk to see what he saw? Thank you, God did. God caused Habakkuk to see some injustice. 
And then it's fascinating because where does Habakkuk go with it? Yeah, and who does he blame? God, yes! This is such a juicy text. God causes Habakkuk to see something wrong in the world. The oppressors keep winning, the victims keep losing, and then nothing happens about it. So Habakkuk goes right to God and says this, God, how long do I have to cry out before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil and stare trouble in the face day after day? And then you could add a dot, 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 and why don't you ever do anything about it? The people of God are people who see injustice and who wrestle with it. Amen? Who wrestle with the fact that it doesn't seem like anything is changing. And we can take that to God, Habakkuk says. And we can shout at God and even get angry with God. So God, how long do I have to cry out before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police before you come to the rescue? That's a quote from the Bible, not a social justice organization recently, though it could be. It's one of the things I love about the scriptures. You can, you can wrestle with them. You can say they don't make any sense. You can say, oh my gosh, I can't believe it says that. But then you come across a prophet that says things like this and you realize that it has enduring significance for 2016. So friends, this is the lectionary text for the week. I didn't cherry pick it to address the current reality in our world, but it's painfully real how, um, how much it reflects what's happening in our world right now. So this week at Bethel University, some students painted the words Black Lives Matter on the rock that sits at the center of campus. And this rock is used to like announce engagements. I'm sure Dan and Sarah, your engagement was maybe announced on the rock. Was it? No, it wasn't. Well, it could have been. Uh, or there, you know, campus events and different things. Well, someone painted Black Lives Matter on the rock. And then someone else painted over it with the words Blue Lives Matter and BLM equals racist. So you can imagine that sparked a series of protests and a campus-wide discussion from students at Bethel. One student said, we may have different views and we may disagree, but you don't get to paint over what I believe. A former student came and had a sign. She stood by the rock for hours and the sign said, how does this make you feel? So people wrote sticky notes and, and put it on uh, the, the tree, the sign, and, 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 um, and then someone else said, if I'm in chains, you're in change. This is us for us. Campus pastor Lauren Bunker, I love what she said. She addressed the student body and she said, listen to me very carefully because I'm saying to you this as your pastor. Black Lives Matter, however you feel about it, does not equal hatred of police officers, Bunker said. As a person who is related to over a dozen police officers, and she herself is African-American, and as a young woman from the community, and as a Christian, it is our job to stand in the middle and sometimes listen. So I want to ask a question today. As followers of Jesus, what do we do with the problems we see in the world? What do we do with the injustices we see in the world? How should we carry these burdens? And how can we stand in the middle and listen? 
Thank you. Love our neighbor, Christiana. What else? <laughs> if you knew Christiana, she's like a, the, the most diehard Vikings fan I have ever known in my life. And like, what is that, 1115? That, that, that's the, you know, but they're not even playing till Monday night, so what is that? It's not like... That's what her phone just did. Oh my goodness. There is a God in heaven. And, and that God loves us and laughs with us and at us. Um, one way to carry the burden is to get so unbelievably uh, overcome with worry, anxiety, and fear that you make yourself crazy and you make everybody else crazy with the way in which you carry the burden. Ever met anyone like that? <laughs> Ever been to a church where the pastor was like that? Oh, I'm glad that there wasn't raucous laughter right there because that was like a test. Like, am I like that? Um, gosh, I hope I'm not, but I might be at times. That's one way to carry the burden. I wouldn't call it a very effective way to carry the burden, though, would you? It's interesting in Habakkuk 2.1, we read, I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. And this is the NRSV I'm reading, not the message. So it's a little different than what's printed out. But I wanted the word watch post in there. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me, that's God, and what God will answer concerning my complaint. So the picture is Habakkuk climbs up to a watchtower where he can see the horizon, and the vast expanse of what's laying out ahead of him. When you're carrying a burden for injustice, what does it mean to climb to a watchtower and take a look? That's an all-play question. <laughs> That's a good answer. I don't know. What does it mean to climb to a watchtower and take a look? Thank you, Dan. You're intentionally trying to see the other. You're trying to get a different view than you currently have. Oh, I like that. You're expecting something. Yes. Trying to get a bird's eye view. You're trying to see something that you can't currently see. You're trying to get a big picture. I think this is so important when we're dealing with carrying a burden for injustice and of injustice, for justice to come. We need to get a view of the things we can't currently see. Like a great confession daily is, I don't see everything I need to see. If we could just say that to each other, every time we get upset with each other, every time we don't understand why a certain person said or did a certain thing, well, number one, I don't see everything there is to see. So I need to climb to a vantage point where I can see, where I can see the other's point of view, where I can climb up to where I can see something that, that might be bigger than my current perspective. And then the word to see, safa, it, it's in Hebrew, means to look intently or to peer out. So when you climb your watchtower and when you stand guard at your post and you see something that isn't right in the world, maybe it's 
like some of us are running the marathon. We're trying to raise money for clean water in Africa because um, clean water is still the biggest killer in Africa. <laughs> it's amazing. Something that we take for granted is, could really be saving lives. And so that's why we run. Next week, that's why uh, we will cry our way through the last six to eight miles. Um, and we'll drink water along the way, reminding ourselves that we're doing this for people who don't have access to it. Maybe your burden is rest for weary people. Maybe you like to listen to people who are weighed down with life's burdens, and you want to reduce their debts by listening to them. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe your great injustice you see in the world is simply helping your kids get up in the morning, go to school, and know that they're loved. Because in this world, it's a really tough um, place to be to know that you're loved. Maybe it is Black Lives Matter for you. Maybe it's refugees. I remember about a month ago, maybe it's two months now, I saw this video that had gone viral of this little five-year-old boy who had, uh, his apartment building had gotten bombed in, in Syria. And the video was him being carried into this ambulance with orange seats, and he was sat uh, down on a seat, and he was all covered in dust because of the explosion, and the, the, the right side of his face uh, was bloody, five years old. And so he, he looked at it and wiped it off on the seat, and then um, the video was over. It's like, I, and I haven't been able to get that picture out of my mind. And the, the civil war's been going on in, in Syria for five years. And for many of us, it was like the first real look at what was happening. For me, one of my main burdens in the world is telling people that there is still good news in the God of history for people that have lost the plot and people that have forgotten or have believed that God in God there is no good news. And I use words to do that. So that's why I write and that's why I preach. Because I, I think there are so many people out there who have absolutely lost the fact that God is for them and that God loves them and that God is bringing this world into a bright future. So I use my words and I work hard at that. What's yours? As you climb up to the top of your watch post and as you look out and see. So my mother-in-law, she's in her late 70s now. She uh, is a nurse by trade. She worked in the schools for years and years and years. And she's had all kinds of health concerns lately. So she used to be really active in her church, and now she can't really volunteer that way anymore. And she used to work in the schools with really um, mostly disabled kids, and she can't do that anymore. And so what she does a lot of the day is she prays and prays and prays. It is her as she climbs up to the watchtower and as she looks out, she sees that what she needs to do in the world is pray. And she prays for a lot of people, including me and our little family. She is small in stature. She's just a little bird. <laughs> but she is mighty in spirit. My mother-in-law. She is a person 
who in Habakkuk 2.4 says, she is loyal and steady believing. Habakkuk 2.4 says this, look at that man bloated by self-importance, full of himself but soul empty. But the person in right standing before God it, through loyal and steady believing, is fully alive, really alive. And that's a picture of my mother-in-law. And no one's ever going to hear about her. And she's never going to be on the front page of the paper. And she's never going to write a book or pre- preach a sermon. But she is standing at her watchtower, and she's doing very significant things. So Psalm, Psalm 37, we read this. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. I love that. High noon. Anyway, uh, quiet down before God. Be prayerful before him. Don't bother with those who climb the ladder, who elbow their way to the top. Bridle your anger. Trash your wrath. Cool your pipes. (laughs) Cool your pipes. It only makes things worse. Before long, the crooks will be bankrupt. God investors will soon own the store. And to that I say, what? Shouldn't we be angry at the injustices we see in the world? Didn't we just read, open up before God, keep nothing back? So this can't mean don't be angry when you see injustice. What it does mean, the word for anger is a Hebrew word, A-P-H, and it means literally to emit breath from the nostrils. So you ever met someone who's like this? (laughs) It means um, to get out of control with your anger. One of my friends preached an amazing sermon about 15 years ago and said some amazingly prophetic things that really he probably needed 20 years and 20 pounds to say. It was amazing. But I remember hearing the recording and I heard anger because the message wasn't given with grace. It was received wrongly. Is it wrong to be angry? No. But when you take that anger out on human beings, your message is clouded. The word for wrath is chemeh, and it means literally to be in heat like a dog. So like bridle that out of control part of you that's just gonna hurt people as you see injustice. I think God is looking for loyal and steady believing people, not rock stars, Not people who make the front page of the paper necessarily, but people that are willing to climb up to the watchtower and keep watch over the field in which they've been put in charge of. So what's your watch post? I think it's different for so many of us. There's a collective watch post, I think, that the body of Christ needs to look out for, those who are oppressed. But I think you also are given your thing your watch post, that you're invited by God to climb up and stand and look intently. My encouragement for you is not to leave, even though it gets intense up there. Pray and wait and open up before God, but hold nothing back. 
God will do what needs to be done. God is making all things new. And we get to join God in that work. But it's God's work to do. So stay at your watch post. Now, there comes a time where you need to take some action. For some of us, just climbing up to the watch post, that's our next step. For others of us, we've been up there for a while. We've seen what we've needed to see, and now it really is time to take a small action. And if you're afraid to take the action, that means you're right there, baby. You are right there. So what would it mean for you to, with the strength of God, blowing you forward, to take that action even if you're afraid? And lastly, you're carrying the burden of injustice. Be angry with God. Be kind with human beings. Amen? Be angry. Have it all out with God. That will increase your intimacy. But when it comes to human beings, especially those that are different from you, that think differently from you, be kind. We can do this, body of Christ. Genesis Covenant Church. We can hold out hope. We can work for justice. We can carry our burdens. And we can be kind with human beings. We can listen to them. Even when they make no sense to us, we can carve out a space for them to belong. Amen? Let's take 60 seconds of silence where we invite God to speak to us, after which time we'll be led through the prayers of response and the Eucharist. Come, Lord Jesus, speak to us now. So, friends, what is your watch post? What is it that you consistently feel a passion to keep watch over and then to take action on? Maybe you're a teacher and you feel like advocating for your kids, for their learning um, is your watch post and you're going to fight for education reform and you're going to help, help the kids in your classrooms flourish. I, I love that. Maybe you're a pastor, a bivocational pastor, and you have a church um, that is small, and sometimes you wonder if what you do has any value. But that little church, my friend, is your watch post. You're the shepherd, and um, what you do has great meaning. So climb that tower, see what you can't see. Maybe you're an artist and you make music or you make art. And when you climb into that sunlit room and start putting oil on canvas or start putting chords and words down on paper that you sing later on, that's your watch post. Climb that tower and see more. and Stay by that watch post and take action. Maybe you're a writer. Maybe you're a mom. Maybe you're a dad. Maybe you are leading a nonprofit right now 
and there's not enough money and there's all kinds of need climb that watchtower and stand by your watch post and see what you need to see so you can take action in the world we need you we need you to keep your hope up we need you to be reminded that God is making all things new and that God really will um, prevail in the end and that God is inviting us into the partnership of making all things new and that's just gorgeous and beautiful so my friends without further ado uh, we're in it together and before I leave I want to remind you I'm doing this event called Genderful with Aaron Lane and it's a different kind of conversation about masculinity and femininity and how to find fullness yours and God's beyond the binaries it's happening on Saturday November 12th here in St. Paul and I really would love you to join us in it you can go to steveweens.com events and if you type in this good word to the promotional code you'll get 25% off the tickets so Oh, I would love for you to join us. Please do that. It's November 12th, so there's still time to get tickets. Uh, and um, yeah, this is just another great, expansive, generative conversation that we need to have about in whose image we are made, men and women. So friends, uh, have a great day. Uh, we are dust and we're breath. We're limited and we're limitless. We're human and we're holy and we are in it together. Skin.